This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Welcome to the show. It's nice to be back. I'm back here after... And by the way, it wasn't a day off, okay? Just to clear. Well, you're claiming? Remote. So, no, so I'm not claiming. Gonna you're not going to pay me for that day that you bought from me? No, so you could be no, off from my no. vacation That day's that yet to come. To I'm run. thinking you're going to give it to me sometime this week. I can use Wednesday, Thursday or something like that. Be back Friday for a, a Christmas very, show. very then... harsh word. Ooh. Give is a kind yeah, and lovely word, especially no, no, no. this time of no, no. year. No, no, I'm taking a page out of your book. Sell mm. a day. Okay, we'll talk about oh, yeah. it off air. But in the meantime, there's stuff going on here at the set at AMI, which is where I'm located. I'm Ramia Amadin. Uh, there is a red and green mini Christmas tree behind me that <gasps> you may be able to see. And if you don't, it's got some red bows, a mistletoe, it's got yellow light. Also, the regular pillars that always flank me uh-huh, uh, are red and green today. So I'm loving it. Do you know what your background is today, girls? It was a bit of a uh, Same as it's been a bit. I have the snow, nice. the Christmas tree over my left shoulder on the right, a chair by the roaring fire that's going on back here to keep things warm. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. beautiful. Now, as I plan to make a lot of sleep happen this holiday season, I am <laughs> curious about your pillow preferences. Are you a soft pillow or a hard pillow kind of guy? Mm, I would say a more firmer hard pillow. Mm. I'm trying to do the right. I've, for years would always have like, you know, just cheap pillows. I think it started years ago at W. Ross. should have started with really that. Strange you a cheap ones. pillow just or an like, expensive wow. pillow kind of guy? Exactly. I think that's the way. I never knew, right? And I'd leave pillows too long and they'd flatten out and what stuff that like even that. Mean? Oh, okay. I guess you would just be able to what tell. What do you mean? What does it mean? Do you not? We, like I replace pillows in the same sense where they just don't feel good anymore. But I think there's well, an actual rule, right? Because of your head, right? Yeah, because yeah, if I they guess. get flat. But that's the cheap ones really that do that. I mean, yeah. all pillows have a lifespan where they say, Hey, that's enough. I'm done. Have you ever used a memory phone? Head. Yeah, yeah, that's what I like. Oh, okay. I've yet yeah, to memory phones are great. Oh, yeah. To get on board with the memory phone, but hey, it's a work in progress because we care about our sleep. Also, so we care. Yes. Why? Is it because you don't want to spend the money for a memory foam? Or no, what? it's because I just am not too picky. Like I used to sleep pillowless when I would that, sleep on the see, ground. That's... that's the way I see it. Like I yeah. never used to really worry about it. it. Never used to affect me in any way. Right, but. As you get to older, 28, 30, <clears throat> apparently you start thinking of these things. Yeah, it starts to get your next day a little bit more awkward with your neck problems. Yeah. So that's, yeah. let's start to care about the pillows. Uh, also, I was going to say, let's care about the show as well. Here's what's coming up, part of what's coming up on today's episode of Kelly and Ramia. Talking about the benefits of homemade food versus store-bought goods with nutritionist Julia Karanchis. Good friend of the show, Catherine Belinka. From Zakova Vodka chats with us about her role as a guest during our primetime special airing on the 29th of December. So we'll get an idea of what her uh, part was and the fun she had that day when we shot that. We have our monthly voices segment, and today we're joined by AMI president and CEO David Arrington. We'll find out what kind of info we can juice out of him shortly. 
yeah, that's Kelly's job, by the way. So, ahead of the release of the new film adaptation of The Color Purple, Tara G.P. Uh, Henson says the film is a staple in the black community, but it's a story for everyone. Well, I mean, you know, it's a story about humanity, you know. Um, we all fall down, but we get up, you know. We're not perfect. Uh, I will say I haven't even watched the original, or if there was another adaptation before that one and this one, haven't watched that one either. The Color Purple is in theaters on Christmas Day, so we can all enjoy that. Uh, Kels, I think that when we talk about particular productions, whether it be music, albums, even expanding out into artists and genres of different things, we obviously... Um, can associate these things particularly with certain communities and say, hey, this community appreciates, or this is a huge leg up for this community, or, you know, this is us climbing the ladder in what arts means for this community. And that's fantastic. But at the end of the day, uh, I think of, you know, Black Panther, for example, and think this is not just for the community. Obviously, it's a huge celebration for the black community. And that's fantastic, but we want to know that this the world is taken by storm by a production like this. And I think for the reputation around the color purple uh, and the the people around putting it together, it would be the same kind of conversation. Mm. It's also interesting because I know my siblings were very much into the movie when it came out originally, yeah. but I never felt the impact as a black person as to what this movie would have on the community. I would have not been able to extend that to other communities, really even recognizing the movie like that. Some of that could Is be Is it not just Canada. representation sometimes, as simple sometimes as? Sometimes, to me, it's awareness and your life. Like, in Canada at that time... I'm not going to suggest for a moment I wasn't aware at all of any of the issues uh, facing minority communities or or black community in particular, mm -hmm. but I certainly wasn't, in my mind, at that time as a teenager, affected in the same way. Now, I think even those who saw it back then, seeing it now will feel so different because you're A, that much older, but so much of the world B, has changed. And the impact of the movie may be different. For others, my parents, seeing that movie huge impact on them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I'm curious about that aspect as well, just as we consume art in all these different ways, do um, movies like The Color Purple make the statement that it had for previous generations for us? But, you know, that's a whole different conversation. We're going to take a break now, so we're not going to get into it. After the break, we'll talk to vet Danielle Johnkind about what veterinarians do, or at least what she does, to celebrate the holidays. Looking forward to hearing about her holiday memories after the break on Kelly and Ramya. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Looking forward to this week because of what we have planned for you at the end of the week on Kelly and Remia, which is our holiday show. We've got a little bit of everything for you. You know, our regular content that you love on a Friday. And then we've got some special treats like poetry and reads and food conversations and memories. Oh, and then responses to polls that I've been putting out lately. Uh, and that's going to be fun as well. Like... I want to give an example because what if people want to 
tune in and um, not tune in, but actually send in their commentary. So an mm-hmm. example of the poll would be candy canes, mint versus other flavors. I put other flavors in its own category because. What other flavors are there? What? The fruity flavors. Like in strawberry. My head says candy cane is always peppermint. No. Not those other things. Those other things to me are. That's candy cane. Candies that are fruit candy. It's in the shape of the candy cane. As no business Different being colored in the shape stri- of the candy cane. Okay. Well, we can hear your hot take. Uh, if you have um, ideas about whether mint is the only candy cane out there, which it obviously isn't, you can call us at one eight six six. 509-4545, or email us your responses. What? What do you mean it, it, it isn't? It's not it the only... isn't. Do you, do you like the other ones? Yeah, of course. Uh, okay, I rest Was my Was that not case. clear? Do you, do you like mint? I mean, it's not... Yeah. I rest my I like case. I like okay. all the candy canes. I don't. Feedback at AMI.ca as well. Let's get into our Ask a Vet conversation. This we do every Tuesday with Dr. Danielle Johnkind. Whether they provide us with companionship and income, food, or serve a critical role in the ecosystems that support us, animals are vital to human health. Have fun with us as we learn about animal-related topics and about the amazing bond we share with our animal friends. It's the holiday season, and like other businesses, many vets and their staff may be celebrating too. So we want to know what veterinarians do to celebrate, if we can answer that in a bulk of it uh, around the holidays. And Dr. Danielle Johnkind, you are going to be sharing with us some of your favorite holiday memories with us today. I can't wait to hear about this. So to start things off on a more basic level, uh, do the clinics that you work in celebrate with decorations and other such festive measures? Oh, yeah. Um, Most places that... I've worked, of course, have staff with cultural backgrounds to celebrate Christmas. So there there have been Christmas decorations up. You know, um, there's usually a tree. Uh, we get lots of Christmas stuffies, you know, um, with little dogs with Santa hats and that kind of stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> sometimes there's Christmas artwork, lights in the waiting room, and, you know, some, some cool things that I've seen in various places over the years, you know. Um, Christmas wrapping paper, you know, kind of taped to the wall with ribbons and this plush red blanket on the floor, the Christmas tree beside it. And then there's a basket of, like, light-up antlers and special Christmas collars for pets and so, you know, um, you can dress your pet up and take a Christmas photo. And, you know, some of these photos are really super cute, you know, and I can tell you from personal experience that pets are not easy to photograph, you know. Wow. Um, they really, they don't like cameras in their face, you know. And so I'm, I'm really amazed at how good some people and staff are getting good Christmas photo pictures this way. They've got talent, let me tell you. You know? It's like having your own little set, right, for the for the dogs or cats or whatever to be put on with the tree and then some antlers yeah. that light up and just seeing if you can keep them from being camera shy. Yeah, like it, it, it was really sort of a super cute idea. Um, and then, you know, in another place, somehow, you know, someone decided that I had some basic artistic talent and made me responsible for coming up with artwork for a giant bulletin board in the waiting room. <laughs> And, you know, so there are a couple of years that we did kind of like almost like an advent calendar on this thing. So 
we would I would put up these like wrapping paper in the background and um, these little gift tags with safety tips, um, ideas for pet gifts, you know, pet charities and that kind of stuff on the board. And then I would cover up each little tag with a little box from the dollar store that had a like a penguin with a Santa hat on it. And I put numbers on it. So every day we would randomly select someone from the appointment scheduler and they we would pull down the box, give the pet the treats out of the box and then it would reveal the the Christmas tag with the information on it behind it. So by the time nice. we got to the end of the month, you know, we had this whole board of like really fun stuff, you know, which was really a lot of fun to do. Um, and then, you know, there are some things you might not consider, you know, when your vet decorates for the holidays. So um, we often have to disinfect our Christmas trees, you know, because there will be at least one dog every season that decides to lift their leg on the tree. So, yeah, it's a Christmas you know. fire hydrant. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, you'll notice any ornaments at the bottom of the tree are, you know, fluid impervious and can be disinfected. That's a given in any <laughs> So proactive. I know. Well, you have to think of these things, right? And then um, a lot of the decorations will be pet themed, you know, so I've seen like Christmas light strings that are like tiny little dogs in hats and scarves with these little lights behind them. Um, a stuffy that barks out jingle bells when you push a button. And fortunately for me and the staff on that one, the battery died early and we Good. never replaced it. <laughs> yeah, it was going to be my follow up. Yeah. <laughs> How long yeah, did that exactly. novelty last? Yeah. Yeah, and then you'll always notice an absence of sparkly, string-like, tinsely things. You know, cats yeah. love to eat that stuff, and any vet who's ever had to remove it from a, some poor animal's gastrointestinal tract has a deep, abiding horror for having it around. So I have yet to see that displayed in any vet clinic or in the home of any veterinarian I know. <laughs> I can imagine. Oh. So... I mean, uh, we, as I was saying earlier in the show, the um, spot behind me has a mini Christmas tree. So we've been doing a little bit of decorating for the set around here. I have a Christmas tree up at home, which I proudly decorated with all kinds of ornaments that people have gifted me over the years because I don't really go out and find ornaments that I like. Um, but no do you No. And it's also I mean. Glasgow's really good <laughs> with the tree. But when my neighbor's cats come over, then it's a little bit of a problem. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yes. How about you, uh, Kelly? What do you put up for, well, for the holidays? Not so much now. I used to always like like little trees. I don't really put anything up now. Uh, put the fireplace on behind me here on the screen. That's about it. But used to really love putting up a, a tree. And I loved, unlike you guys, I loved all that recycling lights that played the music over oh. and over. <laughs> all and season over. long? No, man, not all day long, but I would put it on and it had like 32 songs that it played about a minute and a bit of, of each. And I'd let it cycle through for an hour or two. And then, okay. all right, that's enough of that. And I'd be back at it the next day. So I did kind of like that, Danielle, myself. Um, Danielle, do, do clients send in Christmas stuff at all for vets and, and their staff? 
oh they they absolutely do you know like best yeah. clients ever yeah you know love it love it like i'm sure you guys get tons of stuff at the studios and everything too but you know like countless tins of cookies a lot of them are even homemade you know um oh. what else did we have bottles of wine ornaments for the clinic christmas tree sometimes they put like pictures of their pet in oh. ornament, bring it in oh, which is nice. so cute it is um you know amazing cards with pet pictures in them you know and tons and tons of chocolate i mean i love chocolate of any kind and this time of year i have to remember not to answer the phone with my mouth full you know because that is a definite possibility <laughs> Um, yeah, and yeah. Of course, I, we between... used to, when we had volunteers, I will tell you, we ha used to, and the company used to have a lot of volunteer readers for the audio service. Well, they used to bring in loads of that stuff, Danielle. So I hear you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and of course, in between appointments, like we are all stuffing ourselves full of goodies in the staff room, you know. So, you know, it's it's a bad time of year for the scale, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just don't bother. Really Do the pictures ever get hung up, Danielle? Like, like, are some of the people, the clients, comfortable if you guys put up on the bulletin board some of those wonderful pictures even if they're not necessarily seasonal but just i kind of wonder you know you think privacy and stuff like that of course it's always the thing we think about but do, do you know do you guys ever do that put up some beautiful picture of that might be taken of, of somebody's pet if they give us permission for sure you know um like we'll we'll definitely do that like i know um, when people bring in cards, we'll often ask them, you know, can can we put this out and hang up strings yeah. of cards and, and pictures on, you know, clothes pegs and stuff, kind of like a laundry line, <laughs> you know, oh, nice. but, like, those kinds of things are fun too, yeah. I was, yeah, I was just going to say, it's so cutesy, right? Like when we're talking bonding through our pets and your pets and everybody knows that this is a vet clinic and we're all just in love with it. There's just never too much of this kind of stuff, which is super adorable. Uh, how about a staff? party though have you done it oh yeah definitely um in the last 24 years of being in the profession you know i've been to a lot of staff events this time of year and of course you know like most staff parties there's usually food involved so sometimes you know we go to a restaurant or have a dinner delivered in um i worked where they do the secret santa gift exchange you know and mm -hmm. had some real fun with that um this year, I think for one secret Santa, I gave somebody um, a pancake mix with green food coloring and the pan, when you cook the pancake in the pan, it makes a Grinch pan, oh, <laughs> nice. which was like really fun. You know, um, I've had some, um, some places that have, you know, donated money to charity instead of giving gifts or doing a Santa gift exchange. So I think the most memorable one I can recall was where um, all the staff sort of pooled whatever they would have donated for Christmas gifts or whatever or spent on Christmas gifts and the um, clinic owners matched it and we donated um, the money to stock a medical clinic in Africa. So that was really cool. cool. And yeah. um, there's some really fun memories for me of office holiday parties where we all went out and did something fun together, you know. Um, so escape rooms, you know, are one activity that everybody really, really loved. I don't know if you've ever been to an escape room, but they're oh, yeah. super, super fun. Yeah, I'm still, and I'm still stuck back somewhere a, in one. Another <laughs> word, frustrating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's sort of a good thing for your team, you know, to kind of build this team ethic and work together to solve yeah. problems. And there's a lot of satisfaction when you actually can, if the room's not too hard. If, if you um, actually can. If, yeah, you got to be careful. You select the ones that aren't so hard for the first couple of times, right? <laughs> 
Um, it was a one and done for me, Danielle. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that, Rumya. Yeah, well, it's all the too. swearing and banging around, Danielle, yeah. and, like, somebody trying to get out. Can you it's believe, no like, rattling the... the doorknob didn't work? Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, or nor screaming help seemed to not work as people just laughed, right, Rum? Yeah. But there is... She's not for real. There's a lot of festive-themed ones you could do around this time of year, which is cool. I've never actually been to a Christmas-themed or a festive-themed mm. one, um, you know, but uh, but the ones I have done have been sort of fun. Um, another really fun thing we did one time at an office party was axe throwing. Um, uh, now, you oh, have yeah. to understand oh, that. That is fun. Yeah. yeah, I am not especially athletic or overly coordinated, so I was thinking, oh, I don't know about this. Nobody stand behind me. You know, <laughs> it might be really bad, but it turned out to be really great. And the staff yeah. at the Axering Place were amazing. They showed us how to do it. They set us up in games in this little tournament, and there was this fun, upbeat music playing in the background, like "We Will Rock You" by Queen. You know, uh-huh. stuff like that. <laughs> and we had a blast. Yeah, we had a blast. So lots of fun stuff. It is a lot of fun stuff. Now, I have to ask you before we let you go, um, do you get Christmas presents for your cat or your <laughs> other pets? Well, after many years of getting Eve toy mice and all kinds of things for Christmas, you know, what she really loves best are the bags and boxes that <laughs> that Christmas presents come in. Right. So she especially loves anything that makes crinkly noise like paper bags or boxes. And then rolling on so- it, right? Yes, well, she we make yeah. a pile of them on Christmas morning mm-hmm. after everything's opened, and then we just let her dive into it, and she'll spend hours hiding in there, <laughs> pouncing on people, chewing on stuff, and scratching it with her back feet, like, you know. So I've given up on buying her stuff because really, she the packaging is good for her. She loves it. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will look forward to it. My friend got um, my dog Glasgow a twelve days of Christmas Advent calendar. It's 12 days of doggy Aww. treats, and it's very, Aww. yeah, he's very pleased. So, yeah, gifts go that around. That is so great. It's very lovely. Yeah, that's so great. Then you'll happy holidays. Oh, oh, okay. We got to yeah. go. Well, what about AMI, okay. though? <laughs> oh, I was just wondering if you guys were having an office party. We did. It was a Wednesday, a couple Wednesdays ago, and it was very lovely seeing people in person. None of the dogs and cats came, though. It's too no. Bad. It's too bad. No. Uh, yeah. Maybe next year. Okay, we bring them in every other day, so that was a wonderful. I was just going to say, I don't really think it would matter, right? Except they might get into the food, and we don't need that. Or they might eat the tinsel off of, was there a tree? I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, Danielle, talk to you next year. Thank you so much for all your contributions of 2023, and we're looking forward to everything you'll bring, um, starting like with our first show of the new year. Talk to you then. Sounds great. Take care. Happy Christmas, everybody, and happy holidays. Thank you. Thanks, Danielle. Dr. Danielle Johnkind joining us for Ask a Vet. That will continue every Tuesday after the week that we have off and coming back into the new year. So looking forward to that. After the break, we have our conversation with nutritionist Julia Caranches talking about the benefits of homemade food versus store-bought goods. We'll be uh, back with that convo after the break on Kelly and Ramia. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment.
I'm trying to share the love and festivities here by telling Kelly that I will share absolutely every photo I have of Glasgow around the Christmas tree and helping out. And oh, I even have some great photos of him with this cute advent calendar. And Kels, what were your responses of again? Only sure? interested in the ones where he tears the tree down. Okay, come on. Ah, humbug, Glasgow, right? He's been so good with the tree. I feel like you're jinxing this. I think it's really cool if he sits there and doesn't do anything, a chase after anything. We just talked to our vet, so we know how darn dangerous it is. It is. But yeah. uh, I wanted to jump back to something. Those candy mm -hmm. cans, I've been thinking about this business, about uh -huh. how I'm not a big you candy can You change your mind. Person. Fruity ones count. I realize that's... Well, I'm not saying they don't count. I'd prefer the fruity ones, that's for sure. I'm not a big peppermint person, but then I realized when I was a kid, I loved the big candy canes. And I obviously I don't oh, know, I'm sure they're yeah. still around. But the ones that are like two feet, if you stood at so two feet tall giant. almost, like they're huge. But we would open them. And, and of course, you know, I'd get one always at Christmas time. My parents would give me really? one. But I remember that sucker would last for months, right? And I'd open it. I'd kept the wrapping on it uh, or the... Um, the, you know, the paper on it, and I'd, I'd or the wrap, I guess, the plastic wrap. I'd pull it back to have a little bit of it. So, but it tasted different than the little guys. Maybe because it was, it was more, still mint, though, right? You know, oh, yeah. But yeah, it just, okay. to me, it was a better oh. minty taste than the little guys. The only thing gross about it is, though, of course, I'd take a few licks and that, wrap it back up. But how else? You're not going to sit there and eat the whole thing. No, well, you'd have to crack you know? it from the beginning and then. Yeah, you'd have to break it yeah, up and you don't want to do yeah. that because it's still. But that thing was so big. You, if, if you were swinging that around, Whee -hee, I got a kid. Yeah. And you hit someone in the head, they'd be off to emerge in no time. It wow. could be used as a weapon. You're right. Oh, man. Uh, you know what? We're talking great nutritionist food now as we welcome in, as we do every other Tuesday, our nutritionist, Julia Caranches. Join me on Kelly and Ramya as we dive into the wonderful world of nutrition and wellness with tips to stay healthy and live a vibrant lifestyle. You remember those big candy canes, Julia? They were just gigantic. I was just listening. I don't remember them. And I am having a huge FOMO moment right now uh -huh. that I have missed out on these giant candy canes. I have no well, idea what this we, is. We can find them now, oh. can we? Oh, I... I don't know. Like I, I, I mean, I certainly not in the <clears throat> need for one. But they were so big, you could like we used to reach out and hook people around their neck with them and say, "Hey, come here!" Like they were solid. I'm, and I do yeah. wonder if they were too dangerous. They were very thick. <laughs> oh, very. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it sounds man. like so they, they would have not to be, be thick to not break. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, you couldn't break them. I don't even know how you'd cut them if a parent said, "Well, I'm going to cut this up because it's too yeah, big yeah. for you to manage." Right? It was just ridiculous. Uh, and maybe dentists, you know, fought against them. Maybe <laughs> because I'm sure a lot of kids tried to bite them. And I'm sure the then the yeah, next the dentists uh, you know, rallied together and they said no more. Yeah. Those are too dangerous. What the heck are we doing? Julia, today we're chatting about homemade versus store-bought baked goods. Yes. Yes. I I don't I'm going to give a little bit, you know, I'm going to give a pro list for one and a pro list for the other. I don't want nice. to start a fight. I feel like this is going to cause a big controversy, but I just <laughs> thought it was something interesting to explore. Um, so we're going to break it down and we're going to look okay. at it from a nutritional standpoint. Obviously, that's what we do here. Now, I am all about convenience and not having to clean my kitchen 
more than I already do. So I don't take that away from the store bought items that are in their convenient containers. Um, but there are some advantages to getting messy in the kitchen, which we're going to dive into. So perhaps if you were contemplating making something versus buying something, our discussion today might help you with that. Okay, so what do you think the biggest benefit is to make something from scratch? And Julia, okay. just to clarify, like when we're talking store-bought goods, we're not necessarily talking just like processed stuff, right? Like are we talking the prepared section, the prepared food section at your favorite grocery store uh, and or frozen foods and or all the above? I'm thinking of my sushi at Metro. Like what are we yeah. exactly so I'm talking. To? But we are talking the baked goods, right? Yeah, we're talking baked goods. Yeah, okay. um, you know, it's the time of year if you want to bake something Making your for... cookies. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so any um, and everything baked goods. Mm -hmm. Yeah, baked goods, cookies, cakes, you know, the, the treat things, the yeah. treat things, those those kinds of things. Yeah. All right. So, okay. I, so what's I think our the benefit? Biggest, well, so the biggest one that I think is that you have total control over what the ingredients are. And this can be really helpful when there are food allergies involved to consider or other health conditions such as blood sugar issues. For example, if you have an allergy to a food or whoever is going to be eating it, let's say you're bringing these cookies to a party or you're giving them to you know family friends, um, you can control the ingredients or make better substitutions based on their dietary restrictions or the allergy. So if someone has an allergy to dairy and another person has an allergy to peanuts, it might be easier to just make your own cookie or brownie or cake with almond milk and sunflower seed butter, and that way you know it's safe. So mm. you know that there isn't gonna be a potential for cross-contamination in a factory because you've made it in your own kitchen where you were paying attention to what was going in it. So I think from a health perspective, that's a huge benefit with this control over the ingredients. You know exactly what's in it. And so if there's health issues or allergies, this can be one, you know, a very big a pro. Yeah, I mean, it also works in the sense of, with this control aspect, you can make more than one type of batch of something, right? Like I have a friend who's yeah. making a lot of caramel sauce for the, the winter. <laughs> Don't even ask any follow-up questions, but, uh, you know, some of it. <laughs> Just <laughs> so, for the winter? What about next fall on the apples? You know, for the festive yeah. season. Uh, but like some of it has bourbon in it and some of it doesn't. And you can like kind right. of manipulate the way that you tweak your recipes based on who's coming to your house or who you're gifting things to. And it's not sure. necessarily a whole different uh, scenario, but it's the aspect yeah. of being altering. able to eliminate or alter or add or, you know, yeah. something is a topping on one that doesn't necessarily have to be on another. Yes. And it's, you know, like speaking of bourbon or flavors like that that are strong, it, it's a really nice way also to customize gifts. I mean, if you're giving about like a tin of cookies to somebody that you know is a big bourbon drinker, that's very thoughtful yeah, yeah. to make it something that they might like. I mean, my father-in-law is a diabetic and I remember when I was, you know, first with my partner, I would bring homemade cookies over for Christmas that I had made with, you know, applesauce. So they knew they were low sugar so that, you know, he could eat them. And that was sort of my angle with, you know, getting in good with the family was I was tailoring, <laughs> you know, something I'm looking for him. out for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> His uh, best in so I think it's a nice interest way. as I'm eating this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, but so yeah. it's nice to have that control. It, it does. Right. It, it is. Um, how about from a health perspective, then? People are always asking this question, and this is where it can get controversial, which is, is it healthier it, just because we make it from home? Is it less healthy because yeah. we're getting it ready-made at it, the shop? I like the it, friends that try to is. sell the fresherness of it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they can take... Homemade's much fresher. Yeah. I mean, they can by making... Like, yeah. So let's talk about cookies. So by making the cookie at home, you avoid a lot of the added stuff like added oils, high fructose corn syrup, yeah. and other preservatives. So a homemade good would have a more fresher taste. However, pro to the, you know, pro to the, the store-bought ones here is that it doesn't last as long. So you might, right, so you might have to store that homemade stuff in the fridge or the freezer for longer term storage, but it will have fewer ingredients and it will be easier for people to digest. And then typically, you know, the ingredients that you're using at home are all whole food options because you're not, you know, the general shopper isn't able to buy a lot of those preservatives or refined things. Right. And so you're you're using the whole ingredients that typically have a lot more nutrition content to them. Yeah, I especially oh, think oh, of this oh. with like breads and cakes. With cookies, you can, I guess, right. freeze dough and things like that to deal with the storage aspect and freshness aspect of it. But definitely with cakes and Breads, well, and, you got and you're not going to sit there it. and eat it all up. So then you uh, exactly. end up wasting, or you just eat far more than you need to, mm. or like you say, you give it all away. So why have something? Why make something that big? It's like the person that buys. Well, I'll buy two of them because they're on sale, but I don't need that much junk food, so Gosh. I'll give one away. Then just buy one. Um, <laughs> it's interesting too because you almost get preserved anyway with some of the with all those preservatives. Julia, speaking of the uh, corn syrup there and that yeah. you know, kind of benefit. Oh man, and in this, yeah, certain you can't taste it as much. I always say I like it on the pancakes, the mm -hmm. old corn syrup. We've talked about the sugar substitutes. Would you know? Would this be another benefit to, to cooking at home since you're not dealing with it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You would have way less refined sugar in your homemade goods. And even if the recipe calls for just straight white sugar, you can always right. alter the amount so that you're not putting the full dose. And oftentimes, you know, it calls for a full cup of sugar. It doesn't really need that much. It, it you know, it tends to be just as sweet, even if you decreased a quarter cup. So it's nice to have that option. Um, you could also use sugar alternatives, which we've talked about before on the show, such as maple syrup. And this would actually increase the nutrition, again, here, because we know that maple syrup has minerals in it, such as manganese, riboflavin, and potassium, just to name a few. So big benefit with using sugar alternatives in that you might be able to increase the nutrition you know, with vitamins and minerals like that. But we also know that when you have excess sugar in the diet, it can lead to health problems such as heart disease. So for those that have that sweet tooth, the home baking could be a really nice compromise so that they can still enjoy the treats, you know, without so much of that added risk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This does take a bit of, I guess, leniency like you know you you got to be okay with the idea of things having less sugar in it or different types of sugar in it to even explore this aspect of changing your 
baked goods around, right? So uh, we talked with Mary, um, I think it was last week or the week before, Julia, and she talked about using different types of sugars together. So if something calls for white sugar in a cup of it, you can maybe do half and half brown sugar, mm -hmm. which will then change yeah. the consistency and it'll change the amount of sugar that's going the into feel. your food. Yeah, yeah, so, but if you're not into trying that out just to see what it may turn out like, then you might think, no, forget it, and also I'm going to go get my cookies from the store. But if you're mm. just wanting to lean into it a little bit more, you never know what it'll yes. come up with. Absolutely. And if you if there's if you know that there's these added benefits, maybe it would it would entice you to lean into yeah. it a little bit more. Well, it's like what it's you were saying nothing. about using the beans, right? When we mm -hmm. talk exactly. about the beans, sure. it's the same. Yeah. If you can buy into the texture difference, you can buy into the altered taste. And not psych yourself have. And a lot out of so a, much. Well, and that's and a lot of people, diabetics, for example, as we we you know, go back to these are may not be people might say, well, do you still really need brownie, folks? It shouldn't be an all or none world. Mm -hmm. this no, it be. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of which, can we talk about the refined oils, please? What are these? Oh, Why are they gosh. problematic again? Oh, gosh. Yeah, refined oils. So often store-bought items will have refined or like oil in it or an oil that's been treated in a way that prolongs its shelf life. However, they can be hard to digest and cause a lot of health problems. When you bake at home, you're using things like I just mentioned, you're using whole foods. So when we're in, we're talking about oils, we're looking at olive oil, avocado oil, or even just plain butter. You, mm -hmm. you know, and then you can control the butter content uh, if this is something that you don't even want that much of. Again, if you're baking at home, you can control the butter content and also look at substitutions. I was actually just reading this article um, where a woman was, ex again, experimenting with different options. And she didn't eliminate the butter, but she did cut it down. And she substituted it with pumpkin puree, which I thought was so mm. interesting. Mm -hmm. And again, this is also increasing the nutritional value because we know pumpkin has vitamin A and vitamin C. So that's really cool. And then, you know, butter is also super expensive right now. So, I mean food is super expensive right now, but if you could substitute some of that butter with a puree that came in a can that would be significantly cheaper, that's such a bonus as well. But these refined oils, you know, they're not whole food. They're not these things that are naturally supposed to be eaten and they are very problematic from a health perspective. And so when you bake at home, you're eliminating the consumption of them. And then you can also just play around, you know, oh, well, I don't want to eat that much butter. That's fine. Cut it in half or cut it down by maybe two thirds and look for substitutions such as pumpkin puree. In this case, you would really have to like the taste of pumpkin because obviously it would come through a little bit. But yeah, there's lots yeah. of other things to to you know to consider, like the avocado oil, for example. Right, which we hear a lot about now. And again, go back to cost. But uh, hey, man, it, there, yeah. there's that leveling out. Julia, thank you. Thanks, guys. Best of the season to you and yours. Be safe. You as well. Join Julia Carantius. For our nutrition talk every other Tuesday on the program, opposite Wellness with Francis Wong. After the break, we get a little bit of a teaser of what we got going on for that primetime special we've been talking all about, the Kelly and Remia primetime. Catherine Vilinka is from Zirkova Vodka, and she joined us on the primetime. She's going to join us now to tell us about what she did on the primetime to entice you all. We'll be right back. It's Kelly and Remia. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
back. It's Kelly and Ramia. Thanks for joining us. Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amazon are the hosts of this show. We're here two hours on weekdays and go through a lot of guest and contributor conversations with you. A bunch of different topics come up each and every episode that are entertaining and informative and just overall a lot of fun. Speaking of fun, we kind of crunched a whole bunch of that fun vibe into one special episode that will be airing later on this month. It is the Kelly and Ramia primetime special. It comes to AMI-tv on December 29th live, or not live, but the first airing at 7, oh my God, 8 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. It's also going to be available on YouTube, on AMI+. Plus. So there are a lot of ways for you to get in this really festive, fun episode of Kelly and Romeo. It's only an hour long, but we got a lot squeezed in there. Catherine Valinga is one of our guests who joined us on the primetime special. She's from Zirkova Vodka, which should be a familiar brand for you if you listen to the show enough, because we love getting Catherine from Zirkova on to talk a lot about the festivities and the fun around vodka. And of course, their um, more serious and important initiatives around the brand. So Catherine, you're here now because we want to tease a little bit of uh, what you joined us for over that primetime special taping. And of course, to hear about what you got going on with Zerkova. So welcome back. Thank you for having me back. This is so much fun. It's kind of like a pre-welcome back because the other welcome hasn't aired yet on MITV, so a little bit of a twist. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you were a longtime friend of the show, Catherine. Can you just give people a reminder of what Zirkova Vodka is and um, so we can start there? So, um, look, we're the underdog. We're, you know, we're local Canadians that lived in Ukraine found the birthplace of vodka, and have made it our mission to share these stories with the world. We have our own brand, Zirkova Vodka, and it's all around giving people the best experience, the best vodka, at a very accessible and inclusive price point. That's very important to us. So, And of course, we give back to Ukraine. So very important because we're one of the only brands on the shelf that is made in Ukraine. Okay. And you were there, as I said, for the primetime taping. So I'm very excited to have people check out that episode because it was really fun hanging out with you. We had a whole mixology session. What was it like for you filming this? I don't think it was your first rodeo around this kind of uh, demonstrating a mixology session to a live audience. So this was really special because, first of all, we had the opportunity to meet in person, to hug, to, you know. I know, it was our first time to meeting together, in person. And that was amazing. Yeah. Um, and what I can say is it was such a caring, curated, and incredible event to be part of. All of wow. the touches. Like, I cannot wait for all of you to experience it because the people that you found, you know, the comedians, the myself the mm. you know you gave us the platform to showcase who we are and our talents in such a way that many people don't so i'm i feel so gra- grateful for that so it, it was such a it's such a feel-good event i have to say everyone's going to walk away from it being inspired feeling good and uh and it's so entertaining it's so entertaining. it is <laughs> so did you have a particular highlight that day i mean we did a 
mixology maybe you can just explain without giving too much away on it but you know what we kind of meant when we approached jeff reached out to you and said we'd love to have you involved with the show we were thinking um maybe you can touch on that but was there any particular highlight whether it's that or something else that you looked around and noticed that day just love the audience interaction you know i mean because this is about connecting with people this is about you know, sharing an experience with people and creating something special. And so, and, and everybody, I mean, okay, for example, when we made Caesars, right? Yep. And every, and yep. people are calling out like what their favorite ingredients <laughs> yes. are and what right. they create. And it, it's just this shared experience. So there were a lot of moments like that where it just felt so in, um, Con, like connected to the audience in such a great way. Yeah, wow. and you, you so have your you secret feel... ingredient as well for Caesar. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we don't no give any of that away, mm -mm. right? But when you were asked no. to do this, the mix mixology in front of the audience, doing it as much as we could live in, in, did you have any concerns going into it with a primarily like blind low vision audience? How to do and that host. description and just so, handling honestly, it right con there. My concern was. Could I be descriptive enough? Mm. Could I right. like yep. bring you into, bring everybody into that world and almost create an experience where people were sampling and tasting it for themselves without having that opportunity, right? So yeah, yeah. I was a little yeah. nervous. Yeah, about because that. it's it's picking the right words. Like I've always. I know even as a kid, I used to love watching cooking shows or anything like that because they gave such neat descriptions, but based on just cool word choices. And I will I will give away just this much to say that you really had that down. You went up there in front and had us standing there, you know, a part of the mixology, but just hearing your words and picturing, oh, that's what she's doing. And the great sound that so many of us like, you can hear as you're doing the mixology. Yeah, the shaking of that martini shaker, uh -huh. the ice, the, you know, it, 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 yeah, it, the, the clinking of the glasses, so, mm -hmm. and the toasting, right? And yeah. this, is, yep. this is what it's all about, is under, under the gun of timing, way. too, Catherine, we we kind of said, hey, we got to go through and do this as quick as possible. <laughs> roll in, in its own 10 way. minutes and uh -huh. roll out. Yeah. <laughs> this is what you have. And you I know, get it down I know, to time. I know. And, and of course, you know, I make things complicated, right? So I can't just have one drink. I'm literally you know, <laughs> taking on so much. But yeah. that's me. I'm extra. Well, it was awesome. It was awesome mm -hmm. because when Catherine and I spoke before the taping, um, she had like a billion things she wanted to bring. And I was like, oh, well, whatever we can fit in 10 minutes. And she's like, three cocktails. And I'm like, okay. But also the mocktail versions of these cocktails and also the twist around these cocktails. So it was super fun planning it, but we knew that it was always a bit of keeping your fingers crossed that we can get through all of this content in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, and, and also... Mm -hmm. And for you, a table. We, That's we what thought I was gonna say. we're going to just have a table, and here the production no. team, Catherine, brings you out a bar. It was extravagant. Dressing, absolutely extravagant. That was amazing. Honestly, we thought we'd have some little table with a tablecloth, <laughs> and instead we have this whole bar set up. And um, 
you know, I, I just, I really want to acknowledge both of you mm. just because of your, the conscious choices you made, just how everybody was included and given the time to come in and get seated and your choice of acts and your choice of performers mm. and your choice of cocktails, but, it, <laughs> but, and, and for having me, it was an incredible experience. And I so appreciate both of you. And it does not go unnoticed. You know, my commitment to Ukraine, you know, the difference that we are making. And especially now at this time when we're celebrating, you know, a holiday season, there's so much to be grateful for and so much to be conscious of mm. in terms of what's happening in the world and just very i think you're just going to get good vibes watching this yeah this special yeah. it really brings it it's like it's all about the good in the world it's all about the laughter the joy coming together and all of the things that make us smile and so mm -hmm. real feel good experience well we know catherine that there's always two sides to the coin, right? Like we have this incredible special, this super fun, festive, um, at its peak, just enjoyable thing for people to check out, for people to have experienced, first of all, if they came to the uh, actual taping, but also to experience when you check it out on the 29th of December. Uh, but then you, you also, in the same vein of context, talk about the the troubles that people have, the frustrations, the acknowledgement that we need to realize, which is there's also a lot of stuff going on that is horrible, that people individually are experiencing, that communities are experiencing nationwide. Um, so we got to kind of, I think for this aspect of it with you coming on the show and your brand and your initiative and talking about it here but also talking about it on prime time what you're doing is you're holding both things and i think that's really really important gosh i i actually you know had somebody say to me because you know this the, since the invasion it's been incredibly challenging i mean we have gone back into ukraine and restarted production in ukraine for almost a year. So every single time we produce, every every day there's new problems and issues and and expenses and and we're and yet we keep on going on. And yeah. and part of it is because I feel this uh, this you know, if we disappear off the shelf, then those stories are lost. That mm -hmm. that it's yep. not just about a vodka. It's about, you know, a commitment to the most you know, connecting people to the birthplace. It's about telling the story of these women master distillers. It's about giving people hope in Ukraine mm -hmm. every single time that this, you know, it matters. They, to them, it matters economically, but it matters from a, you know, the world has not forgotten about us. Yeah. So and it keeps life me hasn't going. Stopped. And life hasn't stopped. And, and this is the thing that, you know, People in Ukraine, they're living their lives, they're working, they're they're contributing, they're not only, you know, from a humanitarian standpoint, but giving to their defenders, helping their communities, rebuilding. I mean, it's just helping their families. Like, there's so much sort of burden on them. Yeah. 
And there's a way that we can help. And there's so many different ways that we can help. Of course. Because we're, we're somehow or another involved, right? It's a chain reaction. It's a ripple effect. And um, I'm glad that we were, we participate in this way with you. And thank you so much for your time, Catherine. As always, we appreciate you coming on the show. We appreciate your time on the primetime special. All the best of the season to you, and we'll catch up with you sometime next year. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, me <laughs> Have too. Have a wonderful <laughs> holiday season. Thank you. You yeah, too. The best to you, John, and everybody. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You can catch Catherine Valinga of Zerkova Vodka on our Kelly and Remy primetime special. That releases 8 p.m. Eastern time. No. Is it 7 p.m. or 8 p.m., Kels? No, 8 p.m. 8, 8, 8. 8. Okay, good. Yeah, 8. 8 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-TV and then available on AMI Plus and YouTube and wherever else you want to watch on demand. In the next December hour... December 29th? Okay. On the next hour, in the next hour of Kelly and Remia, we have uh, AMI President and CEO David Arrington joining us for our Voices segment. Young Wang is going to revisit a poem from her past as well as a beautiful poem of the present. But after the break, the Franchi program has been extended into 2024 for Medicine Hat, Alberta. We're going to learn more about it with our community reporter, Tony Freimark. We'll be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. right into hour two of Kelly and Remia as usual. Hour one has flown by. We only got half a show left to squeeze in everything we want to. Kelly McDonald, Remia Emmethan, join us on weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv for the live edition of the show and then head over to AMI-audio for a re-listen at 4 p.m. Eastern and then head over to your podcast so you can share all of the relevant and interesting content with your peoples. Okay. Fantastic. And what also is fantastic is Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, we get an opportunity to visit with our community reporters. These guys are all over Canada. Um, they bring to us so many different things from their area, their region, and we always love to see what's happening and get that kind of snapshot. And if you're out in those areas, it gives you a good opportunity maybe to even take part in some of the things they tell us about. Tony Freimark joins us now with news from Medicine Hat, Alberta. Tony, welcome back to the show. Best of the season. Hey. Yeah, you guys ready for a brown Christmas? Looks like that's what we're going to be having. <laughs> I, I, I love green so better than brown, when Tony. I hear brown, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. We're not even getting a green Christmas. So sad. I, I guess back <laughs> in the spring when we get enough brown and all the soil's turned over and all the people say, oh, geez, I guess I should have picked up after my dogs. Ew. Uh, no, green Christmas now. is too much to ask for. With all the ups and downs, sir, <laughs> grass is not doing so well. <laughs> I, I just find it funny when someone in Alberta says that to us because you're the last place. Here in Ontario, we're more used to green Christmases than than white Christmases these days. But out there, I think our concept is, yeah, those guys steal all the white Christmases out there. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to be a brown one. It doesn't look like the white stuff's coming anytime soon. Yeah, th th there's some outside my window here now, but it won't be hanging around. Tony, um, I want to look ahead to 2024 because something, I think something pretty cool, you can explain to us a little bit about this, a fair entry program extended into 2024, into 2024, and this is for Medicine Hat residents. What, what is this? 
So this is a program that will help low-income individuals. There's a few different branches of it, so you can get uh, a transit pass for low price. You can get go to like our fitness places. And one that I did find out about, which is if you are a condo owner, you can get assistance with helping with your property tax. So yeah, you just fill out the, it's a pretty straightforward application online. If you don't feel like doing that online, you don't feel comfortable, just go over to City Hall and they can help you out there. They're pre pretty good at letting you know if you are accepted or, or not. There wasn't many mm -hmm. people, I guess, that that uh, used it for this year. So that's why they're extending it, which I think is, is pretty neat. Yeah, I, I mean, I like that, Tony. I look at the list of things, for example, and um, things such as if you have a condo, for example, which a lot of people maybe in, with low income may not necessarily be in that position. Utility bill, okay, I, I think that's a great one. Transit, depending, of course, on your circumstance, another good one to utilize, um, you know, for the monthly bus passes and maybe people who use some of the other community centers that are out there. I, I think all wonderful if someone needs a, the money for a workout plan, if there's a gym that they can join that's part of a, one of the community centers or places that would fall under that, a Y maybe or something. Um, but I could totally see how if people don't necessarily know and they hear only one thing, bus pass or utilities, well, maybe I'll do it. It, it. There's not always an urgency to go check it out and apply. And and we all yeah. say no, hopefully. Pay. So I can understand. So I'm really glad that maybe somebody has been smart and said, hey, you know, we got to extend this. We got to let the word get around. More people doing it and telling their friends, hey, man, it's, the paperwork's not that hard. Hey, did you know they cover this, that? Um, I think that's what you're probably seeing. I don't know if you've heard from people who are kind of kicking it around in their head, should they or shouldn't they, um, or, or, or have any idea? Yeah, just apply. You, don't, you never know. But yeah, you're exactly right, Kelly. Like, I feel people just didn't know about it or, you know, learning that it's helping with condo owners. Like, that's just a new thing. So pretty good. Yeah, it's really good. And you just hope that people understand where for them it's worth applying, like whether you're getting help on your um, electricity bill or or a bus pass or or, or taxes. It, these are huge, and wow, how lucky! Fantastic. Thank you for bringing that forward. Yeah, no problem. You were part of a documentary that I'm very excited to hear more about. Tell us the details, and uh, it's called Follow Us. So, what is it? What is it about? Oh, this was so cool to, to have this opportunity. So my friend, she got the opportunity to, she put her application in for the story hive and it's through TELUS Optic TV and they pick a hundred people and they, then they give them like $10,000 to produce their videos and, and train them on this and that. But I was asked and it was so cool because I got to talk about my life living with a vision loss and the things that I've accomplished in my life. And oh, it was just, it was such a lot of fun. Got to 
do things around the city that, you know, go do some caning skills and go to the transit terminal, like just me living my life, me living my life inside my home, outside my home. Oh, it's, and it took so long for it to, to air, but you can check out my episode along with all the other episodes. Uh, she geared it towards people with disabilities within our city. There's seven episodes and I'm number four. And trust me, I binge watched it on YouTube when I heard that it was out. So yeah, I encourage you, everybody to, to check it out. And if you have the opportunity to do something like this, I would uh, really suggest you do. There's people that have got back to me that have known me for years and they have learned more things about me. So very educational and a lot of fun. So do you, uh, do we get to know your guard cat, Mia? <laughs> oh, she doesn't want to know anybody. She's, I can't believe she actually, uh, she actually, like, she looked at the camera. I was like, whoa, you don't like anybody. What are you doing? That was awesome. The first time I read it, I was like, guide cat? Wait a minute. Uh, no, it's no. guard cat. That is yeah, awesome. Like, yeah, she hisses and, and she guards this place, so. Okay, well, there's it's a really sweet write-up, which I'll talk um, read out in a second. But before that, let's take a listen to the trailer around this doc. I had a really good life uh, growing up as someone with a vision loss. I grew up on the farm, and um, I got to do everything. I had a motorbike, and I had a pedal bike, and I was out there just like my sisters. And... Um, I wasn't treated any differently, but um, there is going to be struggles within in your days, just like anybody else. Um, some stuff is harder to do, and um, you just have to realize that about, about that, because it's not gonna take you five minutes to do something, it'll take you longer. But yeah, like my family, they treated me just like my sisters. And um, yeah, I, it was a great experience. And now I just live on my own and just um, get help the odd time. And I'm somebody that don't like to ask for help, but you should be able to. <laughs> I love I that. Love the music. Oh yeah, and it I has a kind of '70s feel music to it. <laughs> The honesty too around like I don't really like to ask for help, but you know. Um, but here's but I'm the... growing up and knowing it's okay to do so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Our truths, right? Um, here's That's the right. write up. It says Tony is a support worker and community advocate in the city of Medicine Hat. Follow along as she shares her experience living with vision loss, introduces us to her guard cat Mia, and talks in depth about <laughs> her accessibility goals. Tony, you obviously have a lot of unique experiences and just you know your time around Medicine Hat in general is being featured, uh, but also that relatability to the community. So really looking forward to this. You can watch it on uh, TELUS Optic. You can watch it on YouTube. It's called Follow Us. I love it. Right. Love to follow us. Tony, we only have a couple of seconds, but let's talk about one of the things that you get out to do. You enjoyed with the family on December 2nd, the Christmas lights in downtown Red Deer. Totally. That was so fun. I got to experience the Christmas lights with my family. 
oh, it was so cool because I never experienced that with my two nephews and my niece since they've been around. And Molly, my little niece, she was my sighted guide. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Go check it did out. Did you do description? Down, down red deer. Go check it did out. She, did she do any description for you? I mean, I know you yeah, can, probably, you can see enough to see those things. lights, though, can't you? Oh, yeah, I can see enough, but she still gave me a description. They're, you know, purple trees. Oh, this tree is all colored. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Tony, the best to you guys. Safety to the family and enjoy mm -hmm. the season when you're a uh, uh, brown Christmas. <laughs> yeah, you as well. Happy holidays. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Tony. Yeah. Tony Freimark <laughs> is our community reporter in Medicine Hat, Alberta, joining us as community reporters do once a month from their regions, filling us in on so many different things. What a wonderful report. Once a month, we always get a report from Young Wang as well. And she wrote a very nice poem last year that means a lot to her, very sentimental and special around the circumstances. So she's going to let us in on what it was about this poem that sticks with her. And then maybe she'll actually share some poetry as well. We'll be right back on Kelly and Remya. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. hanging out with us on Kelly and Romeo. We appreciate your time and appreciate that you want to listen in on the fabulous conversations that we have. Once a month, we have conversations that we love with Young Wang, and she's our freelance journalist. She brings us insightful things, and sometimes it gets really personal, so let's bring her on. Hi, I'm Yang Wang. I'm a blogger, disability advocate, and immigrant social innovator. Join me to explore challenges and changes in our community on Kelly and Remia. Yang, we appreciate uh, the sentimentality that you bring to these segments, and particularly to our holiday show, because last year you wrote a poem that you shared with us on our holiday, uh, Kelly and Remia show, the, the one that we go off to the break with, and we loved it. I don't think we got a chance to debrief that poem with you, at least not on air. So can you tell us a little bit more about this poem that you wrote and recited? It was around your birthday. So what's the story? It's actually, I wrote it exactly on the evening of my birthday. Oh, yeah. So that's several, several years ago. Um, that that was a very special birthday for me, uh, 43rd birthday. Um, so the poem is about my um, feel about my middle age. So basically a tranquil um, state of mind. Uh, looking back and facing the days ahead. Um, it's special because that birthday was the last one I celebrated uh, with both of my parents and my kids. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I can still remember the evening. I, I dragged the portable chalkboard to the kitchen where it was very bright. And I started to draft the poem, and my parents um, were a few stairs down in their room chatting with each other. And now and then I would talk to them, and my kids were upstairs 
probably doing homework or playing games. Um, it, it was so peaceful, uh, very ordinary moment in a family. Um, and you would like a, you would not think about it or would think it would last forever. But uh, later that year, uh, my father passed away uh, out of uh, emphysema. Um, so it, we were very close to each other and it took me a few years to come out of it. But, but I come out of it stronger. Wow. Well, and it's, it's hard. You deal with it and people say, well, yeah, you, you lose someone that toughens you up and stuff like that. But we're not just talking that where you lose somebody you respect, you love that, you, you know, your, your parent. I'm kind of curious, specifically in your opinion, how, how do you feel you became stronger? Uh, sorry, like, uh, the voice is getting very small. I, oh, sorry. Really... Yeah, maybe my sound it's, dropped it's on you a little sound, bit. Young. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry, I, uh, let, how, me, how... let me try. He was oh, just sorry, asking, Kelly. um, I'll see if oh, something's going yeah. on. Now it's, it's better. better. Okay, okay. <laughs> there we go. Louder. Okay. okay. Well, I was asking, I was saying that, you know, obviously it, we lose a, a parent or somebody significant in our family and some will say, oh, that toughens you up. Uh, of course, you're going to be that way. Well, we know everyone is individual. And when you talk of being stronger, how do you feel? How would you define in what areas did you become stronger? Yeah, well, I became more patient with my other family members. <laughs> with mm. people I care about because yes. I realize, you know, how, you know, we got to cherish the things we have for the moment, the people we have with us for the moment. Um, and also I came to uh, understand more about the meaning of life. And once I understand a little bit more about the meaning of life, I became less fearful, fearful, I mean, fearful um, about death. Um, yeah, because in the last three years of, uh, in his life, my father and mother, they stayed with me. So we took care of each other. And I witnessed that uh, process, like a dwindling of their light of light. Mm. It, it was painful, that process. Uh, and sometimes I would ask myself, like, uh, what is the meaning of life? Especially when you get, like, very old and weak. Um, like, after his passing, I, I you know, really, really um, understand, I understand it. Like, no matter how fragile or weak, uh, life is, life itself is meaningful. So it's the time we spend together and the feelings we have for each other, they all are interwoven into our lives. So we became uh, part of each other's life. But that's probably why we feel so painful when our loved ones die. Because yes. we actually, yeah, we actually lose part of our life. 
So it's very painful. Yeah, and only after experienced those painful moments, um, I I became more understanding. When people lose their family members, I can really understand what they're going like uh, going through. Um, yeah, it's uh, and I fear fear less about that because I I remember the moment I. I felt so much consoled when I saw my father, you know, returned to the arms of Mother Nature. And in the following um, fall, I went to a tree planting event in Toronto. And when my pet, uh, when my hands getting, you know, dirty, like when I planted yeah, into the soil. The soil, yeah, the soil. I felt uh, I felt a connection. So in that moment, life, death, the nature, and ourselves were all in one. Yeah, it's it's um, it's magic. Yeah. yeah, it's like a circle that you came, but because, like you say, the returning to Earth, boy, that lightning mm-hmm. connection that you would have had with your dad, but with. Um, it's almost a realization, right? And, right? and I don't know, I can't speak for you, but a comfort because you feel that. Yes. Because you know yes. he's still with you. Yes, it's uh, like a little part of the nature. I'm not religious, but at the moment, I, I feel like there's some spirit, you know, we all get connected. Of course. You know, uh, that's something. Mm-hmm. It, it's because yeah, grief is so complicated, Young, and we can never, as Kelly says, you can never fully understand, um, but we can empathize and we can relate to the fact that it's an up and down journey. It's a roller coaster. Mm. And it, depending on what kind of a dynamic or relationship this person brought to you, and as you said, Kelly, in terms of realization, sometimes you have the most frustrating times with people while they're alive. And then yep. uh, after they're passing, you go through the complexities of not having that person in your life anymore. So there's all these aspects of coming to terms, right? And it can be very complex. You had a moment on a bus um, that that really hit you hard, Young. Yes, that's the following Mother's Day. I was uh, on the bus and listening to uh, CBC radio, and it was a segment um, on uh, Sunday audition, uh, Sunday edition. Uh, it, it's called uh, Dead Mom Talking. Uh, it's a daughter's imagined uh, conversations with her dead mother, who was a writer. And I especially remember the the daughter said to the mother, uh, I knew I, I'd miss you. But what I didn't know was I would miss you so much. And mm. the mother and the mother told the daughter uh, something like, um, I, I know you will be able to carry on and live a good life. Um, I have this trust in you. I have this confidence in you because I have left the best thing in you. So sitting there, I, I couldn't help with my tears. Um, but I, I found a great comfort in what the mother said to the daughter because it was so true and so uplifting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when whenever I have a friend who 
loses the, their uh, family members, I would always want to share this with them. Well, something um, that so that many of us can relate to, right? In the aspect of yeah. you wish you had one more conversation with your loved ones before they left or something along those lines, and it can really hit you hard that way. Well, and there's also the mm -hmm. blessing that you, if you're lucky, you yeah. do get those best parts of your of your mom, your dad, or mm. the, the people you love and care about and respect the most. You know, unfortunately, sometimes we pick up bad things, bad habits or whatever. Or from somebody them, will point out, just like mom in this exactly, way. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes it's not so flattering. No. But I think a lot of time for them, especially in your dad's situation, um, in this mom's situation, things like that, uh, from the CBC story, you know, that parent, they see it. And of they course. know what is the wonderful and they have the things that they admire yeah. and have got from you because it is a, a total return in an exchange in my opinion and you talked about uh, bad things good things i like before my father passed I, I was thinking oh if my father was a little bit you know worse to me then probably after you know he died yeah. i would feel a little bit better but I I found out that was actually a kind of a stupid thinking because I found out it's it's the good time we spent together. Yeah. It's the yes. very yes. good things. I remember that that was most comforting. Mm. Yeah. So, so to spend with family members to have yeah. good time as much as possible. Well, and, and it's an important reminder, I guess, this time of year when so many of us are really just joking around and putting out there that, oh, God, you know, how are we going to spend so much time with our families? Uh, but mm, And uh, lonely. And there are and those who are exactly, lonely on the other side of the exactly. stick, right? The people who don't have um, what we can cherish for those of us who do have our loved ones with us. So, Young, you wanted to finish off the show with another poem that you wrote. Yes, yes. Um, I, I wrote this at the uh, at a uh, poetry workshop organized by CNIB this September. Um, and uh, yeah, when, when I wrote it, I, I thought of uh, my parents and my kids. So it is inspired by a poem um, where I'm from by an American female poet, uh, uh, George Ella Liam, Lyon. Um, here we go. <laughs> it's my version. I'm from the sun when its light touches the grass and the blossoms. I'm from the sea when a blue well lands on its deepest floor softly. I'm from a fire when its flames dance to the sky up and high. I'm from you, my love when our lives become one. So that is it. so wonderful, uh, Young. Thank you incredible. so much for sharing. Yes. We thoroughly enjoyed. Oh, thank you. We thoroughly yeah, enjoyed I, the I poem last this, year. And we're really looking forward to the one you submitted for this year as well. See, a teaser to the holiday show. Sorry, your thank last you. words. Yeah, I, I want to uh, give this segment uh, to my friend who, who lost uh, her, her mother mm. recently. Yeah, this is the inspiration for me to do this. Okay. Uh, in this time of year, we celebrate, you know, life, laughter, but many of, the, uh, many of us have tears to bear. Yeah. So 
waters or tears, they're all part of our life and all deserve us to remember. Thank you. Take thank care. you for sharing it with yeah. us and thank you for um, sure. being you know, so loving and thinking about things in these ways around the festivities. Appreciate your time, Young. Have a good rest of your year. We'll catch you back in 2024. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Bye. Bye. Happy holidays. Bye. Young Wang joins us once a month. She's our freelance journalist. She's also a blogger and advocate. She's got a lot going on and she's a poet. So you will get to hear some of her poetry on the Friday show, the last show, live show before we head into the holidays. So look forward to that. After the break, we have Voices, the last one of the year. And Voices is a monthly segment we have where we love to talk to you about your passions, put you on the soapbox. We'll be back with that conversation with our CEO and president of AMI, David Arrington, on Kelly and Ramia. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Welcome back. It's Kelly and Ramia, the Tuesday edition of the show. Can't believe we only have a handful of shows left till we get on break. Remember, so keep reminding you that Friday show that's coming up is going to be a fun one. So tune in because we'd love to send you off into the holidays with some entertainment and just appearances all around from our contributors and um uh, guests and community reporters. We have a very festive show lined up for you. It does get a little competitive as well, though, because I've asked some poll questions about A or B, and people have come back with some interesting uh, responses. Talked about the candy cane one. There was also, like, Yule Log versus the fruitcake. Wow, did we get some spectrum of reactions for that. Fruitcakes are good. That's it? Good? Yule Logs are boring answer. Yeah, but you didn't even good. use some of well, the descriptive words say? that other people use. A lot of exclamation yeah, but, points. But <laughs> I was just going to say, especially on the hatred side. <laughs> yeah. Right? Fruitcakes get such a bad rap, right? But the last People are forever. very defensive about their choices, too. It's quite entertaining. Yeah, because they've heard a lifetime of people saying, fruitcake is terrible. You all log that, you know, so they've had the they've had to defend it all their lives. And now you're asking them to do that. Oh. For shame at this time. Of I year. know. <laughs> we uh, once a month do our voices segment. We invite somebody on to talk on the program about various things on the segment. We like to hear about people's passions, drives, and any comments that they might have on things they consider important. Sometimes we say, hey, let's get on a soapbox discussion. Sometimes it's quite, quite, most of the time, enlightening. We welcome today to the program AMI uh, President and CEO, David Arrington. David, welcome back. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Good. All right. Uh, thanks for making time for us. We know you're on a little time off. Much needed. I am. Because our first topic's going to speak to how much needed, David. Um, can we discuss Bill C-11 and a recent appearance <laughs> at the uh, CRTC, you and the team made? Uh, sure. I'd love to, to discuss Bill C-11. But before I get that uh, to that, um, fruitcake is terrible. I'm sorry. <gasps> I, cannot, I cannot digest it. I can't stomach it. I can't even look at it. So I'm more of a oh, my. kind of person. So uh, see, that's the I kind of hot take what, I was what? looking for. Thank you, David. <laughs> what, what is it? The Marchino cherries? Yeah, is it that part it's of all, it? It's just that chewy, gooey stuff in the middle. It's just not for No, me, so. no. Okay, marzipan. you know what? The marzipan. Oh. Okay, that's yeah. disgusting. Okay. But uh, when yeah. we talk about fruitcake <laughs> yeah. in the version of rum cake or black cake from the Caribbean, now that's, yes, that's something yeah. I can digest. Different. I don't yeah. even know really why that. that's called 
fruitcake? Because to me, it's just totally, it's rum cake. Like, that's really what yeah, it is. Yeah. Or as you say, rum, yeah. the black cake. Black cake. It's mm -hmm. not even in the same stadium. Mm -mm. And you okay. can eat rum cake all, all right. year Carry round, on. Huh? Right. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. You can eat rum I mean, cake all year round. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. yeah. That's right. Fruitcake may last all year round like cockroaches. Don't live through <laughs> nuclear war. Not, but, for, you know. not for the good right. reasons, though. Exactly. Exactly. Preservatives. Preservatives. Right. So you asked me about Bill C-11, Kelly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, Bill C-11 has been in the news a lot in the last uh, couple of years, and, and it, it's a really, really important piece of legislation that was passed this past year. And it really, really affects the broadcasting industry. Um, and kind of some background to, to why it's important is if you're a Canadian broadcaster in Canada, there's all these conditions that you must meet to be a Canadian broadcaster. And a lot of that is around Canadian content production or, or, or telling stories of Canadian culture and things like that. So um, there's certain things that you have to do. Like, for instance, if you're a programmer in Canada, 5% of your previous year's revenues have to go towards the production of Canadian content. Uh, in prime time, you know, 50% of your content has to be Canadian on, on those channels. Um, if you're a programmer like us, you know, 48% of our previous year's uh, revenues have to be um, put back into to Canadian content. So it's, 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 it's really, it's, it's a privilege to be a Canadian broadcaster. Um, they have all these rules in place to support Canadian programming and Canadian, Canadian content and to make sure that Canadian stories are being told. And it's a way of kind of combating that, just kind of dropping U.S. channels into, um, into, into Canada without any, without any regulation around them. Um, so what has happened in the last, you know, 10 years of all these, these, these streaming services like Netflix or Amazon Prime or Disney Plus, whatnot, and they have, and no fault of their own, it's a great business model, they have kind of circumvented the Canadian broadcasting system and they go directly to the consumer over the internet or, or they don't go through the cable system, whatnot. So the internet is currently not regulated by the CRTC. So mm. they don't have all these, they, yeah, they don't have all these conditions of license that they have to put back into Canadian content and things like that. They, yeah, they do some productions up here, but it's, 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 it's a drop in the bucket compared to what Canadian services have to contribute. And at the same time, what's happening is of all these new streaming services coming on board, people are cutting their current cable packages and getting cheaper alternatives or more selection with things like Netflix or Amazon and things like that. So the Canadian broadcaster system is really under threat. And, and you know, the amount of cable subscribers is declining between 2 and 4% per year, which is really significant because that's how we get funded. We get funded through Canadian right. uh, cable subscriber rates. So what Bill C-11 does, it's now the past in the law, it's really it's really a law that uh, it's going to kind of put in place mechanisms to ensure that these big foreign streamers like Netflix and Disney and Amazon and Apple TV and all of them, they contribute to the system in some format. Right. So what, what the CRTC hearings are right now is what are those mechanics and how are we going to do that? So we went there on behalf of 918 services. We were, because we... We're a 918 from our must carry. We're, we're, we're deemed as a service of critical importance to the fabric of Canada. Um, we went there to tell them our story about how we're being affected by the changes in the broadcasting industry right now and the decline of revenues. And also we went there with some ideas how we thought these big streamers could contribute back into the system. So we went there and we said, we think they should be taxed. You know, any, any, any foreign streaming system who are, uh, uh, foreign streaming service that's um, generating more than $10 million a year in revenue. So 
all those people who are worried it's going to be the the people who are showing cat videos and it's it's not that at all it's really you have to you have to make at least 10 million dollars a year in revenue per year to, to even be a count or to be part of this process mm-hmm. um we we put it we put a proposal in front of the CRTC that they they should at a minimum contribute five percent of their revenues into the canadian broadcasting system and then we said of that five percent of revenues which worked out to be about 250 million dollars a year a percentage of that should go to not-for-profit 918 services such as us, APTN, the Aboriginal People's Television Network, CPAC, some of it should go to support local news, and some of it should go to Canadian productions like you know that are funded by the CMF and things like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, the, the arguments of all the Canadian broadcasters have been the same. So now it's really just this process where the commission is listening to everybody's ideas, bringing all this in. It is law. It is going to happen. And then they just got to figure out the mechanisms and put it into place in the next 12 to 18 months. So that's right, right. Bill C-11 in a nutshell. Right. There and you, you did a really great job explaining timing. it. <laughs> really good, too. Yeah. And, we, ha- and yeah. we know that a lot of those shows that Netflix had up in their top five, their top ten, many of them were made here in Canada. So nice. Oh, You're yeah. contributing to some degree, but we need to see this put in place so that uh, there's a little less less hurt going on. Yeah, and those, you know, it's great that they come up here, but those are service productions. They're coming up here right. because it makes good business sense for of them to course. produce shows up here because of the Canadian Look at our dollar. dollar. <laughs> and, right, so it, it, it makes good sense for them to come up here and to right. produce content here in Canada, but it doesn't tell Canadian stories. It doesn't It doesn't mm-hmm. share Canadian mm-hmm. culture or it doesn't support mm-hmm. services like AMI or, or APTN or, or, or local news. It really detracts from that. So we just think it's, you know, it's fair that they should be they, they should, if they're going to be in Canada, they should, they should at minimum participate in some form of, in some way to ensure that they contribute to the system as a whole, like keep it healthy. Right. And, right. you know, a lot of what you pointed out is just the landscape of media changing yeah. so drastically that it affects, uh, like the chain is affected all the way down. So we need to deal with that in this sense. And, you know, you, you've laid out how the CRTC is doing right. that or going to be doing that in, through this process. Uh, hopefully the process is not as long as it could take. But the one thing that I wanted to follow up on is post-pandemic. So, David, do you right. have any like insights or things that you've personally noticed or how AMI has noticed post-pandemic, the CRTC practices and getting in and out of these things? Yeah, well, post-pandemic, a couple of things happened. I think during the pandemic, people realized how important cable is to them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you think about it, you're locked in your home. Um, and if you think about it, cable TV is a good deal. You're getting hundreds and hundreds of channels uh, on, uh, available to you at, a, at what I think is a reasonable cost. So I, I think one thing, people reassured that cable is a good deal. And, and what came out of that was a sort of a lessening of, of decline in subscriber loss. You know, at, at some point it was up for over 4%, and now it's kind of dropped closer to back to 2% post-pandemic. So maybe people are realizing that cable is not such a bad deal. I think the other thing that's happening is with the influx of so many streaming services, you have to buy like six different streaming services to get access to all the that's content. It. So it adds up to be, once you start paying your $12 for this, your $8 for that, it kind of adds up to a similar rate as that of cable. So the value proposition is, is, is as good. And I think the final thing is, is it's so hard to, to search. And this is really important for the blind and partially sighted eyes. How do you find programming that's on all these different apps? When as a, if you have Rogers Ignite, you're going to say, Rogers Ignite, launch Netflix, show me this show, whatever it may be. So mm. the actual bundling that, that home, that, that system, that, 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 uh, decoder that's in your home called the Rogers at Nightbox with the voice activated system 
really, really helps people to search and find different programs across all the platforms, not just cable specific. So um, I think it's kind of having a bit of a resurgence. I think people are seeing the value in it and, and they're smart. You know, we're, we're, we're making great programming and we're telling great stories and, and we have to kind of hold up our end of the deal. But if they're going to play in Canada, they have to participate and, and pay their fair share. For sure. And I'd like to see when it comes to the cable companies, them deciding streamers, this is what we offer you so that eventually it's all going to be paying one price and getting X number of services, streaming services include, we will come, in my opinion, full circle eventually. It's just lining it all up and making sure everybody's yeah. getting that share of of the of the huge and you know can be financially reasonably benefit, beneficial pie that's out there for all of us, David. Absolutely. And I think the, the other important thing you need to know is if you if you bundle all your all your your OTT streaming service to your cable company, you get it all in one bill. Right. Yeah. So if you're doing it separately, you're getting like eight different, nine different charges, six different charges on your on your visa bill or on your credit card bill. It's hard to kind of keep track of all that. So if you if you subscribe to your cable company, you get one bill, one concise bill, and you kind of see what you're what you're spending your money on and what you're using. And finally, cable, you know, traditional cable has live event and news. That's hard to find that in, in on other platforms. So live event sports mostly. And I know, Kelly, that's important to you. Oh, my God, I'm getting scared to death when Netflix starts getting into, you know, baseball yeah. and stuff like that or <laughs> yeah. Apple. It's just been a nightmare. And you see yeah. some of the problems YouTube has had, you know, with, with Red Zone and so on in the last little while. Yeah. Um, David, I'm kind of curious, since you have a history of working in commercial broadcasting versus a circumstance mm -hmm. like ours with the 9-11 carriage, uh, you've been with us. I want to say 13 years. I forgive me if I'm I selling you so. short yeah. on a year. 13 no, or 14. That's, a, that's about right. Yeah. What uh, what's the difference, David? What would you say are some of the differences that you've had to learn and navigate doing this job, coming to it and saying, "Whoa, okay, I didn't expect this," yeah. or this this is what I see as a benefit. And I think so many of us staff who had the chance to watch it, the CRTC, we heard that passion, David, and we appreciate it. Right. I think the biggest difference, Kelly and Rami, is, is measure of success. So when you're running a for-profit business, the measurement of success is how much profit you make. Mm. So all the, all the decisions you make are really based on driving the bottom line, driving profit, driving margins, and that sort of stuff. Whereas for, as a not-for-profit, an organization, we need to be measured on relevance to the community that we serve. So is the content that we're creating relevant to them? Do they like the shows that we're producing? Do they like, you know, the stories that we're telling? Is it meaningful to them? Are they finding it helpful or engaging? Um, so you make your, you you make decisions differently than you would as I think. I actually think it's harder because you you, you got to put more thought and more research and more um, and more kind of uh, kind of overall thought and what what you're and the decisions you're making. Whereas if you're working for for a profit, it's really easy to say what make what drives the bottom line best. You know, those are really easy decisions to make at times. So I would say that's the biggest difference, and and uh, and you do become more passionate because you know profits are great, but making a difference is, is better. Mm. Yeah, I hear a lot about the pacing and just the, you know, cutthroat side of broadcasting and things like that, yeah. because it, it is true, though, right? Like, it's not a secret yeah. that there's a lot more to, I mean, we just, just seeing the, the downsizing of companies and corporations, we go, oh, my gosh, that's yeah. wild to think yeah. about, uh, you know, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people being affected mm -hmm. in one fell swoop. Well, and on the front yeah. line too, right? David, you get to yeah. talk to people. We saw at the primetime special, people very loyal coming out to talk about the show, not because, hey, the biggest sponsor is Labatt's. Right, right. Yeah, for sure, it's different. But uh, I think that uh, 
you know, the things that we do and, and, and the content that we create um, and the stories that we tell, you know, there's no other network like AMI in the world. And the reason why we exist is because we have a strong Canadian broadcasting system. And that system is under attack right now and it's dwindling. And I think it's critically important that we put the resources in place and the tools in place and the mechanisms in place to support that. We're beside the largest media market in the world. It'd be really easy just to let them drop all their content into Canada, have no Canadian content. I don't think that's what people want. I think it's important mm. for the fabric of our culture. I think it's important for the to, to have a, a platform to share our stories. And, and, and I think media is a big part of Canadian identity. It's what separates us. It's, where it's an opportunity to share the stories and, and to maintain that cultural difference from, from, from the U.S. I think it's really, really important. Sometimes we have a hard time with our identity that way, or I've seen it in the past. Yeah. And I'd like to think we're getting a little more Canadian pride. David, fine words, but in closing, anything for the audience as we go into Christmas, the end of the year, we used to always bring you on the show to kind of do a little rap. Anything yeah. that our audience should know or anything you want to deliver? I think what the audience should know is you should go to AMI Plus and download the app because all of our wonderful content is on that app in an accessible format. And you can get all of our English, all of our French content, all of our podcasts. It's all there. And you can watch it on your time. You can stream it on any device you'd like. You can pause. You can play. You can fast forward. All those sort of things. So um, my wish to everyone, my gift to everyone is an, AM, is an opportunity to download the AMI Plus app. And it's free. So it, it's a wonderful uh, holiday gift for everybody. So that would be my final thoughts, Kelly and Ramya. David, Love thank it. you. As usual, <laughs> uh, appreciate the present. Uh, we'll be getting that, yeah, get that download today, eh, Rum. Yeah, <laughs> don't gift him fruit cake. Yeah, I learned a lot on this voice yeah. segment. There you go. There you oh, go. yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. No wonder it's never at the holiday party. David, thank you. Oh, happy holidays, guys. And I'll see you in the new year. Good happy stuff. holidays. You bet, David. David Arrington, our president and CEO at AMI, thanks for making that time to uh, talk to us, David, and all of you out there, folks. Great words, great things to take away from the conversations, as we always do on our Voices segment right here on Kelly and Rumya. There's a, a day called No-Brainer Day, and you would think it's very self-explanatory, but there is an explanation behind why this unofficial holiday was created. We're going to talk about that as part of our closing moment and wrap up the show with you. And a reminder to check out Now with Dave Brown and see what's in store for them tomorrow morning. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of Kelly and Ramya with a reminder to check out your favorite podcast platform for Kelly and Ramya. That way you can subscribe to the show. You can rate us, tell us how much you love the content and the hosts and the personalities. And, uh, of course, you can share the content as well because we segment out the show for you. Easy sharing. And, of course, there's a full show podcast with a vanity card on the end. Who's today's Yay. vanity? Yours? Hi. Yeah? Hi. No teasers? It's me. Oh. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Are you bulk recording vanities? No. Okay. No, it was because I was thinking suspicious. everybody else's as I organized the week and the scheduling Real. and everything like that. And I forgot what the heck I had talked about today on it. Uh, you are also the vanity cool, coordinator. Though. Yeah. Well, we got it a was, fun vanity cool. coming your way for the last episode of 2023 with the whole group. So that'll be fun. Uh, also a reminder to check out Now with Dave Brown 
during your mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern time on AFI-TV, every single weekday with Dave Brown and the whole crew. Uh, we don't have a teaser for you today, but they will be here tomorrow morning. Now with Dave Brown, 9 a.m. Eastern on AMI-TV, and, of course, available on podcasts also. Um, let's see. I was telling you about No-Brainer Day. So No-Brainer Day is one of these unofficial slash strange holidays. The last one I think I'm going to bring up. It is celebrated or recognized and that's on... that's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. February 27th, Adrian Sue Coopersmith, who bills herself as America's premier eventologist... Wow, that is self-proclaimed for sure. I like that name. It's wow. nice, right? It sounds um, big and it sounds important. Well, yeah, and we all have eventologists in our lives. We just never coined them as such. So anyways, this eventologist reportedly created this holiday so people can give themselves a break from projects involving a great deal of thought or analysis. I don't even know the last time I had a project with a great deal of thought and analysis. So I feel like 365 days of the year, I've been no-brainering around <laughs> but uh, i mean i could appreciate that others do put in a lot more effort than i do in life and go through a great deal of thought and analysis through their day-to-day -day and therefore need the one day off february 27th to relax a little um we know that a lot of time it's like let's give up on the on the stress we know february is that time of the year it's like i don't know yeah the blahs you know it's that the kind blues. of blah time mm -hmm. so you do need to be able to turn turn it off but it's interesting because you get some people who for every day that's what they're doing working on stuff that matters in the sense of, of a lot of thought a lot of organization a lot of following steps to do it right and then going back and analyzing it and trying to troubleshoot a problem so Fedora's off to those people who definitely need that day to find a way to wind down. However, I have to suspect that most people either get it or don't. Those who get it already have that day get or it? that oh, hour okay. every night That's where what they saying. download and turn themselves or have those jump in front of the computer and play the video game or walk away from a or go for a run, mm. whatever it might be. Those who don't get it are probably really struggling or they're that person as as they say that can work and work and work and they thrive on it so it's either the it's more the of a reminder or a thriver yeah and and they're gonna hear people say you need to take a break you need to turn yourself yes, off yes, yeah turn that brain and they just say yeah, yeah you're right there's that element of like work-life balance and you got to balance mm -hmm. it out but there's also i'm thinking of industries where yeah analysis is just part of your every day and it i think it's yeah. acute stress right and the stress probably is not the same as we would feel they might get more stress so do you want uh ham and cheese or do you want a roast beef <laughs> oh gosh i don't know i just love how she called it no-brainer day me too like, that's a very interesting turn choice. it off yeah turn oh, it no. off it's a no-brainer literally uh, we've got lots coming your way tomorrow. It's the Wednesday midweek show. And as 2023 comes to an end, we're checking in with registered nurse Leslie Depot for one of these year-end conversations. This time, it's going to be most asked health questions of the year. I love when she does this. Me too. This is wonderful. On the buzz tomorrow, Mark Phoenix breaks down a study stating about uh, brain implants that state they deliver promising results for people with traumatic brain injuries. I'm very curious about this. He's also got some other things coming our way all the way into Thursday and Friday on the buzz. 
Lots more to talk about, so join us tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv for the live edition of Kelly and Remia. See you later. What an opportunity we had, and we've talked about it on the show, the primetime special. And the 29th at uh, 8 p.m. to catch it, Eastern Time, AMI-tv, and our different platforms. You can find it once it airs. It was really something special. And I know myself, I don't even really know what was all done. We, we had the crew in. They shot us. But we were able to sit back and just host. Our guests were able to perform with us. We had some movement where we had to go to different places on the different sets we had for the show. You felt like a big shot doing this thing, that's for sure. And I hope we come off as people enjoying a really wonderful experience that we can bring home to you on it. I hope that the feel of it is of what it was for us, having that audience there that was engaged in the show because they're show fans. And you folks are everything. Anytime you give our show, we appreciate so much and are so honored and so humbled. Having these folks come out and join the studio audience and be there, again, incredibly humbling. That can't even be described. But just knowing that every day we're able to have the privilege of being there and delivering what we consider a fantastic show that we're very proud of every day. And then to amp it up and have the company say, we're going to do something special, get some publicity for the show, do something different. What do you guys think? Okay. And we noodle it and get together and perform it with the help of all of our friends, including you out there. So please do catch the primetime special. Let us know. Chat it up on social media if you would. Um, hopefully it's something new, special, and hopefully something we can do again. We, we as a team really enjoyed it. It was a lot of work, and we will sit back, of course, and pick it apart and say what we could have done better, what we enjoyed about it, and we want you to do the same thing. But mostly we would like to be included in your holiday time. And if you can make some time, squeeze us in, maybe sit around with family and friends, Maybe eat a bit. For sure, eat a bit. That's the priority. That would be awesome. Best to you. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.